Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Dude, I never get sick. Rarely ever do I get sick, and I'm not feeling too hot <laughs> these days. Um, pretty sure I'm sick. I tested negative for COVID. Um, but you know, it's a sore throat, runny nose, congestion, all that good stuff. Maybe just a cold, but you know, it's really irritating whenever you run a podcast and your throat hurts and your voice is scratchy and your voice is different. Um, especially when you go to edit and it doesn't even sound like you are the one who's talking, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter to any of you if my throat hurts or not. The important thing is that I am here. I am recording an episode. We are through week 12, and in a lot of leagues, we are going into the last week of the regular season in week 13. Now, my main league, it's it's a ringer, dude. It is tough. It's 12 teams. Only four teams get in the playoffs. Weeks 15 and 16. Those are, it's one round week 15, championship round um, week 16. I'm sure there's a lot of leagues like that. Um, but most leagues, I think, this coming up week is the last week of the season, of the regular season. Then it's fantasy playoff time. So, Having with all that, you know, in mind, well, that said, you know, I'm, we're going to get through, we're going to get through this episode. I've got my tissue paper. I've got my bottle of water for whenever I need to take a break and lubricate the vocal cords. But until that time, you know where this is going. This is what stood out in week 12. Powerline for bringing us into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Let's go ahead and start with the Thanksgiving games. And I say games, it's really just the one game that I want to talk about. If you're a new listener, I every week I talk about the things that stand out to me. I don't really go game by game because I don't think there's anything super educational that's going to come from every game. A lot of things. We already know a lot of things from certain games we don't really care about. So I don't really want to waste my time or anybody else's time going through those. I pick out the stuff that I think is interesting, that I think my listeners will think is interesting. And I know a lot of people are excited about this one. The Washington football team running back Antonio 
Gibson plays a season high 65% snap share, gets 20 carries, gets five catches on seven targets. That is what we want. This is what I've been waiting for these past few weeks when I've been wondering why JD McKissick is getting 15 targets and Antonio Gibson's only getting three targets. You know, I get McKissick's a good, he's a good talented pass catcher. I get it. But 15 targets? Nobody in the league gets 15 targets a game. It especially should not be J.D. McKissick. Antonio Gibson, I've been saying it, needs to get a chunk of those. And seven targets, five catches, plus 20 carries. We will take that every single week. 136 total yards. And not one, not two, but three total touchdowns in this game. He won a lot of people weeks on Thanksgiving, you know, just the one player pretty much. Yeah, here's something for you. I had, I didn't have Gibson in this lineup, but I had Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, Duke Johnson, and TJ Hawkinson in a full PPR tight end premium league, and I lost. <laughs> they went, they all went nuts, scored over 100 points just on Thanksgiving and ended up running into the Tyreek Hill buzzsaw. And ended up losing that matchup. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. Um, we need to get back to this Washington football team because, like I said, Antonio Gibson, 20 carries, 5 catches on 7 targets. J.D. McKissick plays a season-low snap percentage. Now, it makes sense. Antonio Gibson plays a season-high 65% snap share. J.D. McKissick plays a season-low 39% snap share. Only gets 1 carry and only gets 2 targets. Two catches on two targets for 27 yards. Now, you know, I think I think it's just happened. I think Antonio Gibson is clearly the guy now. J.D. McKissick. It was fun while it lasted. But you're in the rearview mirror. Um, you were admirable. You're going to stick in the league. You're not going anywhere. You're still going to be an NFL football player. But Antonio Gibson is just... Look, he's big. He's explosive. Who cares that he only had 99 or 99, 33 carries in college? You know what? This has been a fun, a really fun last few couple of years in football and fantasy football because, you know what? We can bust some narratives. You know, Antonio Gibson... We know that athleticism matters for running backs more so than probably any other position, maybe other than tight end. We know that athleticism matters. We know that for running backs, if you are big and you are fast and you are active in the receiving game, that you have a high ceiling. Especially if you're going to get the work and you're big and fast and active in the passing game, you are going to have a high ceiling. In fantasy football, it doesn't matter what you did in college. If you were a receiver in college and you transitioned to running back in the NFL, great. That's awesome <laughs> because it's easier to play running back than it is wide receiver. So if you have that skill set, that's awesome. I don't care how many carries you had in college. I don't care how few carries you had in college. And I don't think any of us are anymore. I don't think any of us do care anymore. Just like with Kyler Murray... Next time we have an elite prospect at quarterback come out and he's not even six foot tall, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. We have Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and Kyler Murray 
breaking the stereotypes. Okay, we don't, we can do away with those now. We don't have to listen to that noise anymore. The second you hear some big wig on ESPN that's touting a raw big arm prospect because he's six foot four, 230 pounds over a five foot 11 accurate quarterback, you know, you know, you can just tune that guy out, whether it's Mayock or whoever, you know, you can tune that guy out. Um, and it's good. It's good whenever we can consolidate the information, take in a higher quality of information rather than a higher quantity of information. Um, let's scoot on now to the other side of that game for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I want to talk about the two-game sample since Andy Dalton has been back because it hasn't been bad for one Amari Cooper. Twelve In these two games, he's got 12 catches, 15 targets, 193 yards, and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, a little bit less, less great. Nine catches on 13 targets, 55 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Gallup, eight catches on 13 targets for 70 yards. So it seems as though Amari Cooper is at least going to get his. We know Andy Dalton to be... I mean, I mean, I guess a replacement level NFL quarterback, but we know he can sustain a fantasy wide receiver. He did it for years with AJ Green. Well, Amari Cooper is Andy Green now to Andy Dalton. So it seems as though Amari Cooper, his value is going to be saved with you know, as long as Andy Dalton's healthy, he should be fine to keep throwing in your starting lineup. I know it was dark days for a second. But I think we're good. You know, I have Cooper in one or two leagues, and I'm not too worried about it anymore. Um, let's move on now to a favorite of mine, an early season favorite of mine until he got hurt. And I don't like this outcome. Nick Chubb, I mean, at least for my touts, you know, Nick Chubb gets 19 carries plus three catches on three targets for 176 total yards and a touchdown and this dude's just a stud. You know, you give Nick Chubb 19 carries, he's going to do a lot with it. You give him three targets, that's a great bonus. Um, Kareem Hunt in this one only gets 10 carries. You know, 10 carries, he gets two targets, so he didn't catch any of them, but he gets 12 opportunities. That's not bad. You know, we'll, we'll take 12 opportunities from Kareem Hunt. Um, he gets 62 yards, which isn't, you know, laughable you know 62 yards a game is close to a thousand yard season but uh, we need more catches we need more catches from that you know from that for cream hunt but you know throughout this the time where these two backs have been healthy their split you know their workload has been split almost dead even and you know this was a little bit of an outlier here, and I'm not too worried. If you have Cream Hunt as your RB two or your flex, probably, you know, I'm not too worried about it, honestly. Now I want to talk about, you know, switch games. Now talk about everybody's favorite subject, the Carolina receiving game. <laughs> DJ Moore gets injured in this one. Apparently, the X-rays came back negative. We'll see how that goes. They do have a bye week. In week 13, so hopefully 
that'll hopefully he's okay and he comes back in week 14 and he's just fine. But DJ Moore, like I said, he gets nine targets, only catches four of them, 61 yards. So, you know, that's that's not terrible. Four catches, 61 yards. That's okay. But he got nine targets in this one, leading Robbie Anderson, who only got, you know, he also got four catches, but only seven targets. Now, he did get 94 yards in the touchdown, so he had a bigger game. DJ Moore should have had a touchdown, but it was a bad throw by Teddy Bridgewater. It was actually the play he got hurt on. He was wide open in the end zone, just wide open. Nobody standing anywhere close to him. Bridgewater can't make the throw, and <laughs> DJ Moore ends up hurting himself trying to catch it. And Curtis Samuel, he actually has the most receptions out of any of these three players. Five catches, only five targets, plus a carry, and he gets 77 total yards. So one of my bold predictions before the season started was that Curtis Samuel would be basically the quintessential league winner. I said he would be on the highest percentage of championship teams in the event of a significant Christian McCaffrey injury. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but Curtis Samuel's been pretty pretty reliable in McCaffrey's absence, especially here in the last you know handful of weeks. So I'm fine. I'm I've got Samuel in a couple of leagues. I keep throwing him in, and you know as my wide receiver three, and I'm not too mad about it honestly. You know, five catches, seventy-seven yards. I'll take that. Um, switching games now to uh, the New Orleans Saints. I just want to talk about this real quick. Alvin Kamara only has one catch on three total targets during Taysom Hill's two starts. One catch on three targets these last two games. We <laughs> like Alvin Kamara has been one of the cheat codes to get us as far as we are in our on our successful or fantasy teams because i mean it's been Kamara and Dalvin Cook those have been like the only two guys from the first round that have really been healthy all season and now Kamara's healthy but Taysom Hill comes in and he just won't throw Kamara the ball and i guess it's just that old you know, that old adage, a mobile quarterback is going to tuck it and run rather than check it down. And it makes sense. And, you know, it's never been more apparent than it is right now in New Orleans. And I don't know when Drew Brees is supposed to come back. I'll tell you right now, for Alvin Alvin Kamara managers, and I'm one of them, we need it to be soon. The sooner the better. Because, I mean, one catch on three targets, that's not going to do it for one game, especially, I mean, let alone two. So, there's something to keep an eye on. You know, it's not like we're benching Alvin Kamara, but, man, we might be in for a rough ride if this is what we have going for us going into the fantasy playoffs. Switching over now to, I want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals backfield. Because it looks like we're back to early season form. Chase Edmonds only gets six carries, gets four catches on five targets. That's fine. Um, 43 total yards. That's not good. I mean, I mean, it's fine. You know, four, if you're in a full PPR and in a deep league with deep starting rosters, 
I guess, you know, you can do worse than four catches and 43 total yards, I guess, for a player you got that late. But it was the Kenyon Drake show here. 22 carries, three tar or three catches on four targets for 93 total yards, and two touchdowns in this one. And I infamously, <laughs> in these last couple weeks, have mentioned on this podcast that in my main league, I traded... Kenyon Drake and a first round pick for Austin Eckler in a league. And I'm competing in that league. I'm trying to win this year. And I felt really good about that trade until, I mean, Kenyon Drake's been pretty solid coming back. And he had a big game this week. Um, I still think I win that trade in the long run with Austin Eckler. But, man, it would it'd be nice to have those 93 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I mean, I can't complain. Austin Eckler had 11 catches on 16 targets and 129 total yards. So what am I really complaining about? No, um, I'm not really complaining. But basically, this just seems to be the Kenyon Drake show. We're going to, you know, it may not feel great, but we're going to fire Kenyon Drake up next week. And as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. He's going to be the lead back in this backfield in a high octane offense. And watch, he's going to pull, Kenyon Drake is going to be the 2020 version of 2019 Kenyon Drake. He's going he's gonna to be kind of slow all year and then come on the last few weeks and win people championships again. And he's going to be drafted in the second round of startups next year again. And people are going to argue about it again. And he's going to disappoint for a lot of the season. And maybe... Maybe he'll be 2021's version of 2020's version of 2019's Kenyon Drake. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, look, I think he's a he's a fine player. He's in a great offense. And we, we start running backs. We start talented running backs in great offenses that are getting workloads. Um, switching over now to the Atlanta Falcons, another backfield I want to talk about. This was supposed to be... Brian Hill's week. He gets 13 carries. That's okay. Um, not great, especially when he only gets one target, no catches. Gets 55 total yards here. Not great, especially when his counterpart, Ito Smith, gets one less carry. He gets 12, but he gets four catches on five targets. He gets 75 total yards and the touchdown. Um... I don't know really what to make of this information. I have some fab money left over in most of my leagues. I'm I'm probably going to be putting it in on Edo Smith if I need a running back. You know, we're getting to the point now where I mean, you know, our fab budget doesn't roll over year to year, so we need to spend it at some point. Um, last I read, there is fear that this could be a multi-week injury for Todd Gurley. And if it's going to be the Edo Smith show, if he's going to get double-digit carries and four catches in that offense, it could be it could be highly useful, especially if you're in a deeper league or if you really need running back help. Um, switching over now to the Kansas City Chiefs Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I want to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. Now, neither one of them do much in terms of fantasy. 39 total yards for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 32 total yards for Le'Veon Bell, but Edwards-Hilaire gets 11 carries 
and one catch on one target in this game. Bell only gets five carries and two catches on two targets. And since the Chiefs' bye week a couple weeks ago, these last two games, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has outcarried Le'Veon Bell 25 to 12 and has they each have three targets. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has two catches, Bell has three catches, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire basically has twice as many touches almost as Le'Veon Bell since coming from the bye week. It seems as though Le'Veon Bell is just a handcuff. I've talked about it a little bit in weeks past. Um, it really sucks. I was hoping you know each one of these guys would get about twelve carries, and you know I was hoping it would look a lot like the Brian Hill, Edo Smith. You know, twelve, thirteen carries a piece, and maybe four targets a piece. But right now, it just seems as though Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the starter and I guess we're hoping for a touchdown at this point and Le'Veon Bell is the handcuff. Now the other side of that game, oh man, it's so gross. Ronald Jones has a good game here, 113 total yards and a touchdown, but he only has nine carries and one catch on two targets in this game. So he's, Ronald Jones is having a touchdown fueled Pretty good season. You know, Leonard Fournette only get th gets three carries in this game. Three catches on three targets for 20 total yards. You know, their volume hasn't been fantastic for either one of these backs. But Ronald Jones is clearly the better player in this backfield right now. I know I held the funeral for him when Leonard Fournette signed <laughs> in Tampa Bay. Um, I played Dust in the Wind by Kansas on these airwaves, did the memorial service. That hasn't worked out too great, but you know what? If you know, had I told you that Ronald Jones was going to get nine carries, he'd be getting nine carries and one catch on two targets, people would probably assume that Leonard Fournette was also getting nine or ten carries and two or three targets as well, and. The touchdowns, who knows? Ronald Jones happened to break a you know a couple of big plays on this one. I think he had a 37-yard touchdown reception. It is what it is. Sometimes players score touchdowns. And I have Ronald Jones in one dynasty league, and he is going to be the first person I trade after this year, probably after Dalvin Cook. <laughs> um, you know, not, I know I, I was trying to trade Dalvin Cook earlier in the season, and look, just because, you know, Dalvin Cook was a sell to me early in the season. But just because he's a sell to me doesn't mean I'm selling no matter what. You know, I came on these airwaves and I said that I was going to shop him around, but I wasn't going to give him away. I needed fair value. I couldn't get, an, uh, you know, a deal done that I was satisfied with, so I held on to him. And that's okay. You know, yeah, I was wrong in trying to sell Dalvin Cook for this season, but you know I was right in basically expecting a king's ransom for him, and that's it's okay to play dynasty that way. You know, just because we think a player is playing at an unsustainable pace doesn't mean we just have to go off and get rid of that player right now. But Ronald Jones is not the type of player that Dalvin Cook is. He's scoring a bunch of touchdowns. He's breaking, you know, a 98 or 99-yard touchdown a few weeks ago, whatever it was. 
his end of the year numbers are going to look nice. He's going to have some touchdowns. He, he's had these big plays. You're going to be able to get a lot for Ronald Jones. Whatever you get, whatever you get for Ronald Jones, it's going to be worth it. And so he is probably my number one sell going into the offseason. Um, the receivers for Tampa Bay. Mike Evans only catches nine passes, but or three passes, but he gets nine targets. Chris Godwin also gets nine targets, catches eight of them. Antonio Brown only gets three targets, catches two. Evans gets 50 yards and two touchdowns. Godwin gets 97 yards and Brown gets 11. Yeah. You know, I don't think we have to start Antonio Brown. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, we're going to have to keep throwing them in the starting lineup. And look, they each had good games. It stinks that Evans only caught three passes on nine targets, but at least two of them were touchdowns. Um, dude, and that one touchdown he had was crazy. He just refused to get out. He was stopped at like the five yard line and just looked like a running back. Just like, just, you know, from a dead standstill, powered through a couple of defenders and ended up getting into the end zone. It was pretty impressive. Um, but since, you know, over the past four weeks, since Antonio Brown's arrival, Mike Evans leads the way with 35 targets. Chris Godwin with 31 targets. Antonio Brown with 29 targets. So, you know, Brown, Antonio Brown, I think, is a fine player. He's only been with this team for four weeks. You know, it's going to take some time. I don't know that we're going to be using Antonio Brown this season. Evans and Godwin, they're getting some volume. We're firing them up every week. It's just, you know, these numbers I wanted to touch on to put in perspective. Um, switching games now to the Los Angeles Rams backfield. Darrell Henderson only gets 10 carries, no catches on one target for 19 total yards. Cam Akers, nine carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. Cam Akers is in the process of breaking out. It's a slow breakout. It is like a DeAndre Swift light breakout. You know, DeAndre Swift was showing flashes all season long and he was hanging around mid RB2 range. And then, you know, I compared him to the Rubik's Cube that just needed one last little click and then it happened and then he got concussed, unfortunately, but it did happen. Cam Akers, you know, he's hovering right around you know, double-digit touches or opportunities per game right there along with Darrell Henderson. But it's kind to me, it's clear Akers has some juice that Henderson and Malcolm Brown just don't have. You know, he spent a second-round pick on this guy. He's going to start getting work. My only hope is that if you're past – look, if you're not contending and you're not past your trade deadline – you need to try to get Cam Akers. If you're already past your trade deadline, whether you're contending or not, you know, you can't make another trade until after the season's over. I kind of have to hope that Cam Akers doesn't play that well these last few weeks because he might be my number one buy this coming offseason. You know, this coming offseason, we'll probably be able to trade Ronald Jones for Cam Akers and maybe a second round pick or something. And I'm smashing the button on that all day long.
Uh, and, you know, just, just as an example, I guess it depends on where the second round pick is, but, you know, just something along those lines. You can trade Ronald Jones for Cam Akers and some change this offseason. I'm doing that, you know, eight out of seven times. Now, switching over to the Sunday night game, not a whole lot here. It's just something I noticed. So Aaron Jones gets 17 carries, one catch on two targets for 90 yards. You know, we'll take that. 19 opportunities for 90 yards. We'll take it. But Jamal Williams also gets 17 carries for 73 yards, and he gets a touchdown. And this isn't necessarily a trend because there's been a fairly wide margin in usage between these two guys. So this week, you know, week 12, it may mean nothing, but it's just something that I thought was interesting because I guess there's a possibility that Green Bay maybe wants to lighten the workload on Aaron Jones a little bit to maybe keep him healthy for the playoffs. I, I mean, as a Green Bay fan, I don't mind it because I think Jamal Williams is a capable back. You know, but as a fantasy manager, this is the opposite of what we want. You know, we want our running backs getting, you know, an uptick in usage, not starting a, a 50-50 timeshare. Um, it probably, look, it doesn't matter. You're, we're starting Aaron Jones no matter what, and if he's getting 19 opportunities, it doesn't matter how many opportunities Jamal Williams gets at that point. Yeah, it stinks that Williams vultured the touchdown here, but dude, 19 opportunities for Aaron Jones. If I mean, he's not going to score all the touchdowns in that backfield. So if you can't be happy with 19 opportunities, you know he's going to be efficient with that. So if you can't win with that, you know you've got bigger problems than just Jamal Williams. Now, switching over now to the final. You know, actually, I guess I can't call it the final game of the season or of the week because we still have the COVID Bowl maybe coming up on Wednesday night. But I'm talking about Monday Night Football right now, talking about the Seattle Seahawks versus Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia, I mean, had a chance, some chances to make this a game. They you know, ended up kind of couldn't do it. They scored on a Hail Mary with 12 seconds left and then tried to kick the onside, didn't get it. Not a big deal. Um, closer, I think, than Seahawks fans thought it would be. It's closer than I thought it would be for sure. Um, but Chris Carson, you know, this is, you know, a lot like the Aaron Jones thing here. Because Chris Carson, he comes back. He only gets eight carries. He gets two catches on two targets for 59 total yards and a touchdown. Well, I mean, 59 yards, a touchdown, two catches. We'll take it. But Carlos Hyde gets 15 carries in this game. He also gets two catches on three targets only for 29 yards because he's not as good as Chris Carson. But he did have a touchdown called back, I should say. But 15 carries for Carlos Hyde. I mean... All we can do is cross our fingers and be like, you know what? Maybe they were just easing Chris Carson in. And my fingers are literally crossed right now. We can just think, hopefully, they're just easing Chris Carson in. And come next week, he'll be back back to normal. 
you know, these numbers will be flip-flopped. Carson will be the one with double-digit carries and a couple of receptions. And hopefully he gets, you know, the more yards and touchdowns that come along with it. It's just something that, you know, Carlos Hyde just seems to be one of those players that it's like as long as he wants a job in the NFL, he's going to have a job in the NFL. And, you know, don't forget this dude went for 1,100 all-purpose yards in 2019. And I, I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything for 2020, but it's just, you know, kind of an ode to how, how you know, perseverant and how, you know, I think he just has a good reputation in the league, whether it's just as a hard-nosed runner or maybe he has a hard work ethic or, you know, I think it might just be Carlos Hyde's lot in life to be a thorn in the side of fantasy managers and dynasty leaguers in particular because he might just keep jumping from team to team on one-year contracts you know vulturing touchdowns from guys that we want to be bell cow running backs you know and as long as he's in the league as long as he's on a team he's probably going to get some work i mean depending on how elite the player is ahead of him but you know like I said, he had 1,100 all-purpose yards in 2019, and that's got to count for something. You know, I'm not saying he's some coveted dynasty asset, but I mean it's something. You know, it's it's just something that we should know that this is a running back that's capable of having an, of a thousand-yard season. On the other side of that game. You know, this is kind of a theme. I don't know what's going on with these running backs, these backfields, but Miles Sanders only gets six carries in this game. Two catches on three targets for 22 total yards, and he does get a two-point conversion, but, I mean, what, in a full PPR league, we're talking six, you know, 6.2 points? That's not going to cut it. For a player we drafted in the first round, that's not going to cut it. Especially when Boston Scott, yeah, he only get he only gets two carries here, but he catches five balls on six targets for forty-seven yards. What is going on? Why is Carlos Hyde getting almost twice as many opportunities as Chris Carson? Why is Jamal Williams getting the same amount of carries as Aaron Jones? Why is Boston Scott getting almost as many opportunities? As Miles Sanders. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, Philadelphia probably isn't going to the playoffs, so I don't think it's a situation where they're trying to save Miles Sanders. I mean, maybe it's just a thing where they they got down early in this game, and maybe they like Boston Scott enough in the passing game. To get him in there to catch some passes, it doesn't make sense to me because Miles Sanders is definitely the more explosive athlete. He is, you know, I think Jalen. I think we can call Jalen Rager a home run threat, but we know that Miles Sanders is a home run threat. We know that you know he gets a lane and he can bust one open for a big play and or a long touchdown. So I don't know why you're wasting your time throwing six passes. To Boston Scott, you know, instead of Sanders having three targets and Scott having six targets, Sanders probably should have had seven targets. Sure, Boston Scott can get a couple, but Sanders probably should have had seven targets in this game. If you're going to be throwing the ball that many times to your running backs in comeback, you know, a comeback mode, 
they should probably be going to the better running back, the better player, and that's Miles Sanders. But that is going to do it for this episode. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I've been your host, Derek Walmack, and as always, thanks for listening. Sugar!